Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Neil Garfield Show, a presentation sponsored by the Living Lies blog, GTC Honors, LendingLies.com, and the Garfield Firm. Servicing all 50 states and 24 countries with news and analysis about the largest economic crime in human history. This program is for general information only and should not be used as a substitute for legal advice or consultation with a licensed professional. This show is not intended as a solicitation for the engagement of any services. And now, presenting world-renowned author, trial lawyer, CLE lecturer, and court-approved expert witness on securitization of death, Neil Garfield. Is it time to sue Black Knight? Hello, this is Neil Garfield, and this is Thursday, October 1st, 2020. I'm broadcasting live from Duval County, Florida. Tonight, we address the game of musical chairs and musical names. Back in 2013, I had multiple judges ask me in confidence to explain to them why the servicers and the plaintiffs, we're in a judicial state here in Florida, why the servicers and the plaintiffs keep changing and how that could even be possible. They could understand no business reason for why those changes would occur. This was particularly true in Tallahassee, Leon County Circuit Court. The judges there were truly perplexed. They knew I understood securitization. And so they asked me. At the time, I was unable to articulate a really good answer. That left them with no choice but to treat the foreclosures as what the foreclosure mill lawyer called it. This is a standard foreclosure, Your Honor. But the judges were not happy. I've since gone on to win many cases because I sharpened up the way I could answer that question. We're left with pretenders. Back in 2007, I coined the term pretender lender, which has been used widely throughout the country and in other parts of the world. But it's not just a pretender lender. We have a pretender lender. We have a pretender servicer. We have a pretender investment bank and a pretender lawyer with a client. None of the things that you would associate in your mind as being true are true with respect to anyone that is introduced as lender, servicer, investment bank, or lawyer. When the music stops, we're left with designated hitters, a virtual claimant and virtual self-proclaimed servicer and the attorneys behind whom everyone hides because of something called litigation immunity. Immunity. One is posing as attorney for a party, and that party is implied to own the homeowner obligation. One is posing as the servicer working on, on behalf of the implied owner of the obligation, and one is posing as the creditor through implication, never an outright statement that says, we own the debt, we suffered a financial loss caused by this homeowner who stopped making payments. 
They are all actors in a play. And they all get paid for their acting skills. Not for anything else. Not for anything they actually did in the real world. Courts ask whether we indeed stop making payments and we get stuck on that. We forget to ask whether there are any payments due because we assume that there must be payments due and we assume that because we only know part of the transaction. The rest has been hidden from us. Nobody ever disclosed what they did behind the scenes. We don't actually know, but we readily admit that our obligation still exists. We don't know that our obligation has been paid off and removed from the books of any company or entity. And that entire concept seems like conspiracy theory. And because most of us lack experience in investment banking, we don't understand how our obligation could vanish just like that and how there is no loss associated with our payments. There's gain if we make payments, but there's no loss if we don't. Sounds crazy. Nonetheless, it's quite true, and it's not that uncommon. It's not just securitization of debt that gave rise to that kind of phenomenon. Nobody lost money because we stopped making payments, but everyone makes money when we do make those payments under the erroneous belief that we still have an active obligation and that somebody owns it, and therefore they must be suffering a loss if we don't pay, and therefore they have a right to administer, collect, and enforce the loan account. But there is no loan account. And that's the part that's been hidden from everybody. Think about it. There are only a handful of people that have been disclosed to you or the courts as having the right to appear in court as a claimant, witness, or attorney. The holders of registered certificates of the XYZ Trust are another possibility. None of them have any right, title, or interest to your debt, note, or mortgage. None. In order to have a right title or interest to your debt noted mortgage, they would have had to pay for it and get a conveyance of it from somebody who owned it. That's even true for the note, by the way, which most lawyers, and I just attended a seminar today, they skipped over that. A holder of a promissory note is only somebody who has possession of the original note, received it from somebody who had possession of the original note, and they received a right to enforce. Now, who gives a right to enforce that note? Only someone who owns the underlying obligation. So while there's a presumption that possession means you're a holder, just saying you're a holder doesn't really mean that you are a holder. But the way the court system works, if you don't contest that, then they are a holder. But if you do contest it and you ask the right questions and you pursue the discovery, 
then you will discover they are not a holder because they cannot identify anyone who gave them a right to enforce. And then you have the investment bank that starts each securitization scheme with the concurrent sale of what is falsely represented to be a loan product to borrowers, plus the sale of falsely represented mortgage-backed security, bond or certificate, that's not backed by anything, much less a mortgage. And you have the real lenders who loaned real money to the investment bank who used that money to fund their profits and the origination or acquisition of loans. Upon completion of the sale of those certificates, they paid back the loans and kept the profit. Profit averaged immediately uh, something in the neighborhood of a third uh, of, of the uh, amount invested by investors. One simple basic legal principle accepted in all jurisdictions is that even a facially valid transfer of interests in a mortgage or deed of trust is a legal nullity. That means it didn't happen. If it does not also convey concurrently with the instrument of conveyance, the ownership of the underlying obligation. And also, it's got to come from a party who did have legal ownership of the obligation. The banks get past that by putting up another name who issues an assignment or endorsement or whatever, and they had no business doing that because they had no ownership of the debt note or mortgage. Another very basic legal principle that is universally accepted is that the claimant's status as a holder of the note is easily rebutted in the absence in the absence of a response to your challenge. So once you challenge it and they're unable to respond, which they are, they are unable to respond then their legal presumptions collapse and you can draw an inference that they do not have the right to enforce, they are not the owner, and therefore judgment should be entered for you. That is the basis on which I and many other attorneys have won hundreds and hundreds of thousands of cases. So if your opposition cannot answer the question of who gave them the right to enforce and answer some questions about the grantor of those rights, then the presumption is rebutted and the opposite inference arises, namely that the alleged possessor of the original note, if they really received possession of the original note, which is doubtful in most circumstances, that possessor does not have the right to enforce for purposes of the pending case. If they can't answer where they got the right to enforce, then they don't have a right to enforce. If they do not have right to enforce, then they're not a holder. And since they're not a holder, their possession of the promissory note, even if they actually have it, which normally they don't, they just have a recreation of it, 
that possession of the promissory note does not imply or raise the presumption that they own the obligation in that scenario. And therefore, they have no right to enforce the, uh, the mortgage or the deed of trust. This is sticky technical stuff, folks, and that's why you need a lawyer. You try to argue this yourself, you're going to get all tongue-tied, and the other lawyer is going to run rings around you. Most often the law firm files some affidavit or certificate saying that they have the original note, but they don't say that they have personal knowledge that the paper they're holding is in fact the original note and not a reproduction. We know that hundreds of thousands of original notes were destroyed in an effort to force courts to accept copies. That plan didn't work. Those of you who know and remember will remember that almost all foreclosures started off with a lost note affidavit. In a lost note count in a, in a complaint, in order to establish a prima facie case, you would have to establish that you paid for it. That they couldn't do, their plan collapsed, the judges wouldn't allow it, and so they moved on. So now they're reproducing the notes as though they were originals, and they've got ingenious technical devices to make it look increasingly like the original note that was signed. Every once in a while, we see a case where the machine gets it wrong and has the signature of the homeowner in a different color ink than the one that was used at closing. And in certain cases, we've been able to show that that was the case. So to recap, the investors don't own the loan, and the trust doesn't own the loan. The investors don't own the loan because they never got a conveyance of any right title or interest to any debt, note, or mortgage. And there's very little question about that. This thing has been litigated in various forums and tax court and elsewhere the investors don't own the loan. They have no right of collection against any homeowner or any rights against any debt, note, or mortgage. The trust is merely a name used as a bankruptcy remote vehicle. That means if the trust is hit with a lawsuit and owes billions of dollars, the loan portfolio that had previously been attributed to the trust remains untouched. Why? Because the trust did not own the loans. It just looked like it owned the loans. By the way, the servicer is another bankruptcy remote vehicle. If it goes bankrupt, no financial account reflecting receipts or disbursements on claimed loan accounts are affected in the least tiny bit. Why? because the servicer is not allowed to touch the receipts or disbursements and has no idea whether they exist except for the access they have to systems owned and operated by yet another intermediary like the subject of tonight's talk, Black Knight. What about the investment bank? Well, they are only an intermediary that managed to retain control over all subsequent transactions without ever maintaining any entry on its ledgers 
showing ownership of a loan account or a loan receivable. Like everyone else, they didn't want to be labeled as a lender and be subject to fines and penalties resulting from very obvious violations of the Truth in Lending Act, the Real Estate Settlement Procedures Act, the Federal Uniform Debt Collectors Practices Act, etc. The investors don't own the loans, debts, notes, or mortgages. The certificates don't convey such a right, and even if they did, the conveyance would have been from a remic trust, which is not really a remic, a real estate mortgage investment company, because a conduit, because it doesn't own, and nobody else owns on its behalf, any debt, note, or mortgage. It owns no loans. And the fact that the reverse has been alleged literally millions of times in courts does not make it true. But because of legal presumptions and so forth, the court is going to presume it to be true unless you challenge it. The more you challenge, the better the terms they're going to start offering on settlements and modifications. The truth is that there is no loss. Payments that were that you made were windfall profits to the participants in the virtual administration, virtual collection, and virtual enforcement of an obligation that ceased to exist within 30 days after the loan closing. And all of this is directed by investment banks who act through layers of intermediaries that are, for the most part, uh, most part, coordinated by a company called Black Knight. That company, you think, is is your service that performs virtually no actual services. Black Knight performs the actual services of collection, distribution, and payments, acting in concert with CoreLogic. So these so-called business records of the servicer, say Aquin, for example, are actually printouts of screenshots that are enabled by access to systems owned and operated by Black Knight after Black Knight was the actual one who who received and processed the payments and authorized distributions of money to various players, including the investment banks who own no interest in any loan. This is all free money to them. It's free money because the securitization process did not securitize the loan. It securitized data about the loan, and so they were able to issue, create, issue, sell, and trade securities infinitely because it was all about data, bets on data, performance of data, etc. The records of the servicer you know are not admissible in court, in my opinion, without an officer or employee of Black Knight testifying that the witness is the records custodian from Black Knight and the records produced by Aquin are the records of Black Knight, which they really can't do. They're the records of Black Knight. 
that witness would actually have to come in instead of the robo-witness that Aquin produces and say that the entries were made by Black Knight employees and systems at or near the time of the transaction. What Aquin has is merely a picture that was given to them, which is to say a statement made out of court by a party who is not in court, that's hearsay, and Black Knight is not under any type of control by Aquin. Black Knight is the controlling party, is the hub of the wheel and spoke system that was created by the investment banks. But Still, that still won't cover the question of whether the obligation was entered on the ledger of any company as a loan account or loan receivable. And that is because there isn't such a company. As we have seen, the designation of a bank name as trustee of a bankruptcy remote trust does not create a creditor. It merely names someone who they want people to think is a creditor. Only a transaction in which the debt is purchased can create a creditor. That was the whole point of the securitization. Yes, securities were issued, but they were not based on ownership of any loan, debt, note, or mortgage from any homeowner. They are based on bets on performance of the data announced by the investment bank that started the securitization scheme. The whole point was to avoid the risk of loss of lending and the potential liability for lending unwisely. Instead, they intentionally made toxic loans and then bet on the failure of those toxic loans, adding to what they already had made in pornographic profits. They figured out how to eliminate the risk of loss on lending, how not to be labeled as a lender subject to lending laws, and how to pursue administration, collection, and enforcement of obligations that do not exist. Then by denying the receipt of funds that paid off the the loan on their books, they continue to operate as though the loan account exists and to designate fictitious entities who are falsely represented by foreclosure bills as owning the defunct obligation. So tonight we're exploring how to stop the scheme from operating at all. Foreclosure litigation is like a game of chess. Those of you who know the game know that you line up a bunch of pawns in front of your major pieces, and those pawns are the ones who can be sacrificed when there's a fight. The banks line up a set of pawns for you to fight, while their real players hide behind multiple layers of curtains. In my opinion, it's time to subpoena Black Knight to the table in most instances. Make them produce documents and answer questions. Note that Chase and possibly Wells Fargo have had periods of time when they did not use Black Knight and they created their own entities. So some forensic investigation is required. Black Knight, formerly known as LPS, Lender Processing Services, is owner of DocX, which was the famed company 
an employer of Lorraine Brown, who went to jail for fabricating tens of thousands of documents to create the false impression that homeowner obligations still existed and some designated hitter like U.S. Bank as trustee for the registered holders of pass-through certificates issued by the Sasco Trust A1-2009, that that entity, with the long incomprehensible name, impliedly owned the obligation. But they never say that because that would be lying in court. They never say that the entity, they never are clear about exactly who they're talking about in that long name. And they never say that that entity, whatever it is, is the actual owner of the obligation, because that would be lying to the court. Litigation immunity does not protect against someone directly and intentionally lying to the court. And you could use that against them, because it produces no response, which then is what allows you to raise inferences and presumptions and get sanctions. And then following that logic, since they, uh, uh, what, what they do is they create the appearance that they own the obligation, the refusal of the homeowner to pay the obligation is assumed to have produced a loss, financial damage, even though there was no loss. There, there is no loss. And then following the same logic, being the apparent owner of the obligation and having suffered an apparent loss that was caused by the homeowner's refusal to pay, the lawyers declare a default on behalf not of a real creditor, but of a virtual creditor, a pretender creditor. And then they foreclose. And having made all those tracks, they are able to create the impression in the judge's mind that this is, in the final analysis, this is a standard foreclosure, Your Honor, and it isn't. The possibility that there is no obligation and that there is no financial loss suffered by anyone is currently thought of a stupid theory thanks to prolific prolific efforts of the investment banks and yet there is not a single case in which any foreclosure mill has produced any admissible evidence regarding the establishment or current status of the account reflecting ownership of the alleged homeowner's obligation. Not a single case where actual loss has been in the pleading or notices. For two decades, this game has been played by the investment bank. In addition, after the origination or acquisition of the apparent loan transaction, a new player is introduced, like Aquit, who claims to have been hired to service the loan accounts that are apparently owned by the virtual creditor. Well, let me tell you something, folks. There's no such thing as a virtual creditor. You have to have, be a real creditor or get out of town and specifically get out of court. But what Aquin or the, whatever the servicer is, whatever they do, they're only providing very limited partial services, call center and things like that. It might have the authority to act as agent 
for the virtual creditor, but the virtual creditor doesn't own or have any authority over anything. But because that relationship looks solid, most people and many lawyers and homeowners believe that because Aquin is the agent for the virtual creditor, that therefore they're up against something that is difficult to defend. Not true. Not if you challenge. So in the chess analogy, Black Knight is the knight who serves its masters, investment banks, and is willing to sacrifice itself and the proclaimed services to protect the king, which is the investment bank. That means that all records, payment history, and document handling does not originate with Aquin, but rather with Black Knight, who is actually answering to an investment bank who receives both proceeds from homeowner payments and proceeds from illegal foreclosure sales. The moral of the story is subpoena Black Knight and maybe sue them because they are a willing partner in something that is a fraud on homeowners and the court. That's it for tonight. Thank you for listening. Good night. The opinions expressed on The Neil Garfield Show are those of its hosts and should not be ascribed to any other persons or entities. For more information about Neil, the blog, or upcoming seminars, please visit livinglies.me. Give us a call at 954-451-1230 or send an email to n-e-i-l-f-g-a-r-f-i-e-l-d at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening to The Neil Garfield Show. If the information has helped you, consider making a donation by visiting livinglies.me.